Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Last week, the title of my message was Out of the Old and Into the New. Out of the Old, Into the New. We've been speaking for some time now about a blessed season of repentance, a beautiful season of repentance that God is leading us through, turning back to him. And the focus and the, the thrust of last week was sort of a pivot. Very much so, so often repentance is focusing on that which we have to come out of, and there's a measure of truth to that. But the way we do that is not by giving our attention and emphasis to that which we must come out of. It's by setting our focus to where we are going, to where God, what God is speaking to us. That's why we call it out of the old into the new. And the new is where we want to go to. And today I want to speak to you about making that shift. The heart process, the practicalities of how do I appropriate the word of God in my life. You know, some of these things might seem very simple. I, I sometimes feel like when I preach messages like I've preached over the past few weeks, they don't touch on a specific aspect of lifestyle, a specific aspect of thought. I'm not addressing giving and I'm not addressing fear or love or generosity or forgiveness. I'm not talking about a specific subject. I'm talking about a general principle which applies to us all, but applies to us each in different ways. Perhaps God is speaking to some of you about forgiveness. Perhaps God is speaking to others of you about discipline or uh, consistency. Perhaps God is speaking to some of you about generosity. And, and when I preach, I, I've been preaching a very broad message on the principle of repentance, which is turning to Jesus, turning from my desires, my ways, my, what I want, to what God wants. But sometimes that can seem very vague. And, and you know, so we, we receive the word and then perhaps Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, we're sitting with our, in our quiet time. We're sitting, we're praying, we've got our Bibles open. How do I then begin to make that shift? God, how do I discern your voice for me? How do I appropriate what the word of God says in my daily readings into my life that it becomes practical, that it becomes living and real and makes a difference in my life? You see, there is a journey that each one of us needs to go through, that God desires for us to go through, and he requires for us to go through, and that is this journey into Christ-likeness, to becoming like Jesus. It's the journey into the fullness of his spirit that he has given to us. It's the journey into receiving and, and working out the gifts that God has given to each of us. And it's this journey into calling and purpose and destiny. And this is the journey of repentance that we've been speaking about. Now, in order for us to journey into these things, the realization that we, that we have that we've been talking about is that we are required to change something. Some things need to be adapted in our way of thinking. We are where we are today, and we have what we have today of God, financially, peace, whatever you may, relationally. We are who we are, and we have what we have because of how we think. And because of, how, because of the way we think, we speak and we speak and we behave. We are who we are because of what we have and what we think. So if we want to move into what God has for us, we have to get hold of God's way of thinking. And this, as we know, 
is clearly articulated for us in the Bible. God literally tells us quite specifically what we ought to think, how we ought to behave, and how to bring Christ-likeness into our life and experience the fruit and the goodness and the blessing that God promises us in the Bible. I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read from verse 24 through to verse 27. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. And I'm going to be reading it from the message translation because it articulates what we are a very familiar portion of Scripture uh, very beautifully. In this portion of Scripture, Jesus says this. These words that I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. Let's just pause for a moment. Now, if we approach the Bible with this kind of attitude, it begins to hold a different level of weight and importance in our hearts and lives. Jesus says, these things I'm saying to you, they're not just, inter they're not just you know, mere words to make little additions to your life, little change here or there, good ideas, motivational messages. He says, no, 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 these are words that are so eternal, they're so foundational that you can build your life on them and they, you can depend on them. He says, if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. The rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and you don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When, the, when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And this is very sobering to us. You know, the truth is that the Word of God can have different results in different people's lives. We need to understand that. The Word of God is an amazing thing, but it's only amazing and it only has impact in my life to the degree that I give myself to it. This is talking about two people who heard the same word, but that had completely different results. The one heard the word and it was information to him. The other heard the word and he aligned and he changed his life to apply this word and make it real in his life. And it made all the difference. So it's clear that the word of God, the same word to you, to me, to all of us, can have different impacts in our lives according to what we do with it. So how do we work with the word of God to get it into our life? What is that process? How do I make that come about? Well, the first thing I need to do is has to do with my approach to the word. I need to consider in my own heart that this word, the Bible, is true. I need to believe that it is true. I need to believe that it is authoritative. Now, this is a big thing. Why? Because I'm putting my internal salvation upon the words that are contained in here, upon the message that it delivers. I am putting my trust for tomorrow, for my life, for my family, for my well-being in what this book says. If I don't believe that it's true, it will undermine my faith at every corner. Every time I, I, I come up against some kind of opposition, every time I come up against something that seems contrary to what the Word of God says to me, 
if I don't have it settled in my heart that this is the word of Jesus to me, that it is truth, I'm going to doubt it. My faith will waver and it will accomplish nothing. You and I need to have something settled in our hearts that, that God's word to you and me is authoritative. The second thing is we need to, if that is true, believe it. That means I need to change the way I think to line up with this. So if this is true, then anything that I think or see or experience around me that undermines this has a flaw to it, a deception or a lie in it. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, and again, I'm going to read it from the message. I'll read it to you. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Now, this is something we are all guilty of. We highlight our culture. We fight for our culture. And there are parts of every culture that are good, and there are parts of every culture that are flawed. But the fact is that we live in a society and a culture where God calls us to shine as a light. He asks us to be salt in the midst of that culture. We cannot be salt and light when we look and speak and think the same way as the culture does. Paul goes on to say in this verse, Romans 12, verse 2, instead of conforming or being like the culture and the world around you, fix your attention on God. That has to do with an orientation of my heart and mind. He says, if you do, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and be quick to respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. A mature person is like is a person who, who's like a house built on a solid rock. They are stable. They are strong. They don't get wound up and frantic and panicky when things around them don't go the way they expect. They don't, they're not fearful. They're solid. They're secure. They understand what their responsibilities are and they live out and they work and they take care of that which they are responsible for. That's maturity. And so this, this verse is saying that if we give ourselves to God, we will, we will, and our minds to him, we don't, we allow him to transfer, uh, trans, uh, transform our way of thinking. He will bring us to a place of maturity in him where we will be like Christ, immovable, unshakable, strong in the midst of whatever comes at us. Now, I want to give you a key this morning. I want to give you one of the most powerful keys to make this happen or to facilitate this process in your heart and your life. I have found that the best way to make the word of God come alive in my heart is to talk to God about it. I want to say that again. The best way to make the word of God come alive in your heart is to talk to God about it. In other words, have a conversation and ask questions of the one who said it. You know, if you said something to me and I didn't understand what you were saying, I would ask you questions until I understood. If what you said didn't make sense to me or I disagreed with you, we would have a conversation. I'd say, but hang on a second, this is the way I see it. And you'd say, oh, but this is the way I see it. And we would converse until we understood one another. Sometimes we'll find out we're saying the same thing, but we're coming from different points of view. 
I don't know about you guys, but 90% of the conversations I have with my wife when we have a disagreement is, the, is that kind of thing. I'm saying the same thing she's saying, which is coming from different points of view. And then when we finally understand, we go, oh, so what are we actually arguing about? Nothing. Other times, somebody has to give in. Somebody has to go, all right, I see what you're saying. You are right. And I submit to your reasoning and your way of thinking. But that comes out through the conversation. You see, God said his word. God is the one who wrote it. He understands what he means by it. He understands how it works. And he understands and can communicate to you how it will work for you in your life, in your situation. Some people, they're very spiritual. They like to call this prayer. But really what it is, have a conversation with God about what his word says. So perhaps you have a daily reading. That's great. Read your Bible. Say, God, before you read it, say, God, speak to me today through your word, I pray. And as you read it, stop and say, Father God, let's talk about this. Uh, I have, I'm struggling with this here. I don't see this in my life, whatever the case may be. The other thing you do is once you're talking to God about it, you meditate on it. You think about it. You know, one of the ways, not the only way, one of the ways that God speaks to us is as we meditate and we reason through things. And we give room to the Holy Spirit to bring things to our remembrance that bring life and light to that word that we heard that we don't have understanding on or that God is trying to speak to us through. He'll either bring to remembrance another scripture. He'll bring to remembrance something you've heard from somebody else. But he will work with you as you meditate on the word to cause it to have the right effect on you. You see, folks, the word of God, the Bible, is not there to inform us. It's not given to inform us. It's given to transform us. And there's a big difference. Information puffs up. Information makes us think, oh, I know a lot of things. And I want to tell you, just because you know where something is in the Bible, just because you can quote a lot of scripture, doesn't impress God. It's what you live. It's what is actually working in your life. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says something. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, for the word of God is alive and it is powerful. It's alive. In other words, it's not a dead thing. It's not just information. It's alive. It's living. It has the ability to, to make things happen and it is powerful. In other words, it also has the ability to transform and to change. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. So soul and spirit, yeah, this is the stuff that we're made of. And between joint and marrow, why does it need to cut and discern between these things? It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. How often have you sat and want, had a motive in your heart or a desire for something and wondered, God, is this you or is this me? Perhaps you're trying to discern God's will in your life for a decision that you have to make. This is where the word of God comes in there and he comes right in between your soulish desires and the desires of the spirit. And it exposes your innermost thoughts and you can see your motives and go, hang on a second. I see what my motive here is. My motive is not here, is not here to bless or to try and help the other person. My motive here is I'm helping them because I actually want something in return and you can do something about that. That's just an example. But the word of God has the ability to strip us of our pretenses, to strip us of our deception, to strip us of the facades that we put on for everybody else that we even start believing ourselves. 
and to lay us naked and unashamed before God our Father, so that he can speak truth to our hearts and lives about who we are. You see, when we are confronted with the truth, the truth is going to break you before it heals you. The truth is going to point out things in your life that need changing. But it's also powerful enough to bring about that change in you. This is exciting stuff. This means that God can work. The, the creator of, of the heavens and earth, but the one who knitted me together, who made my soul and who loves me, can strip me bare of all the lies and the deceit that I've believed about myself can take off all the facades that I put up to make myself seem great and strong and can bring true light and true revelation into the situation. Folks, it's no good just learning what the scripture says or just reading by, you know, what the Bible says. It needs internalization. It needs personalization. I need to make it real to me, to where I am at. Uh, I need to appropriate it. I need to apply it. You know, so when you when I read my Bible, I have to ask certain questions like, how does this affect me? How does this verse or this portion of scripture apply to me in my situation? Maybe in my family, in the workplace, in church. Where do I need to adjust my thinking? Where am I being challenged? What do I need to do? And then getting on with it. So what I'm talking about is how to work the Word of God into my life in a meaningful way. Remember, the first thing was I need to consider this to be authoritative and true. Secondly, I need to believe it, and, and if I believe it, change my thinking accordingly. And thirdly, I need to speak and act according to this new way of thinking. In other words, I need to mix my faith with it. Hebrews 4 verse 2 says this, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. We see another example here. We had the, those who built their, their house on the rock versus the sand. And here we have another one. The word of God was spoken to them. They had the same Bible, if you like, but it didn't profit them. It didn't lead to Christ-likeness. It didn't bring about the fruit of the Spirit. There was no peace coming from it, no prosperity, no blessing, no lifestyle change. Why? Because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't act upon it. You see, the way we mix the word we hear with faith is by doing something about it. Acting on it. Changing according to it. Our minds, our behavior, our attitude, our motives. All four of those. Our minds, our way of thinking, our behavior, our motives, and our attitudes. You see, James 2.20 says... But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Folks, it's no good to say I believe the Bible. I believe in principles in the Bible, but I'm not acting on them. I'm not living them out. You know, you can say, you, oh, yeah, I believe forgiveness is important, but still keep bitterness and resentment in your heart towards somebody who's wronged you. It's very easy to do that. But we don't go on. We don't grow with God. It's very easy to say, yes, I believe in the spirit of generosity and the principle of generosity, but yet I never give of my tithes and my offerings. I never help the poor. I never reach out a helping hand. What you truly believe is, is, is what, you, what you are. Another way of saying that faith without works is dead is saying that that which is truly alive within you will naturally manifest itself externally. It's like a pregnant woman. A woman, when she is pregnant, there is life within her that brings forth manifestation. 
first of all, growth of her belly until the time of maturity comes when de delivery happens and a living human being touch, you can touch it, you can see it, you can hear it, comes forth. And faith is like that. You will naturally speak and act according to what you truly believe. Now, that gestation period where something is, is, is impregnated in your heart, if you like, is that period of which we sense, okay, God, you're speaking to me about this portion of Scripture, or you're saying this, something to me about this, and I'm talking to God about it, and I'm meditating on it, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm praying about it. That's the time when this begins to find life in my heart, begins to find traction until I truly start believing it. Then guess what happens? My confession starts to change. The way I speak about it starts to change. My attitude starts to change. My motivation starts to change. The, the thing is growing inside of me. I'm beginning to show change until eventually that change is manifest on the outside through the way I live my life and then through the way I see the results of that word. You will naturally speak. What is coming out of your mouth is the truth and the evidence about what is truly going on inside your heart. We can put on facades when we come together. We can say all the right things. But Luke, Luke 6.45 says this. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have a listen to the conversations you've been having lately. Are you filled with fear? It's got to do with more than just how you feel. It's got to do with, with what's coming out of your mouth. Is your conversation constantly about what's going on in the world out there, what other people are doing about this virus and about this thing? Or is your, the, the, are the words coming out of your mouth words of confidence and peace and trust in God? Words that he is doing something in the midst of the struggle. We don't deny the struggle, but we see that in the midst of it, God is doing something powerful and beautiful. What is coming out of you? And this is vitally important to understand because sometimes, I've had this happen to me so many times, sometimes the most powerful way that God speaks to me is through my own mouth. I remember years ago my testimony. Uh, I was driving with Michael Weiss and Kerry in a car somewhere and we were talking about self-discipline. God was dealing with me at that time. And the words that came out of my mouth were, what kind of man can't control what he puts in his own mouth? And I was snared. Those words didn't leave me for three days. I realized I was that man. And God was calling me to repentance. I was pathetic. I couldn't control what I was putting in my own mouth. One, one, one scoop of ice cream was never going to be enough. Two bowls of pudding was only the entree. I was a glutton. And God was dealing with me through my own mouth. Why is this important, folks? Well, I'm going to tell you why. James chapter 3. It's going to be our final scripture for as part of the message today. James chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, says this. I'm reading again from the message. A bit in the mouth, in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. 
The words we speak are powerful. And I've gotten into trouble with this. You know, I, I speak, often I speak first and think later. You know, one of the stories I have with my wife is I said something to her in jest many years ago, before we were even married or together in the worship team, I said some things. And man, she reminds me of those words still today sometimes, you know, jokingly. About, I was teasing her about something and boy, it left an effect and it hurt her and it cut her deeply. Just words spoken in jest. How many words do we just speak without thinking, folks, that are creating not just our own perceptions and our own reality, but the perceptions of others? What words do we just speak out over our children? What words do we just speak out over our spouses? About God, about our situations, about our leadership. We can recognize how we truly feel and what is truly going on within us by the words that we speak. And we can also begin changing that by recognizing that, changing our hearts first and begin to be deliberate about confessing and doing differently. You see, these three aspects concerning the word of God, considering it to be true, in other words, its authority, believing it, changing my heart and mind accordingly, and speaking it and acting it into action to mix it with faith. These three aspects demonstrate the lordship of Jesus Christ in our hearts and our yieldedness to God. Many people fill church pews these days, actually not church pews, they fill uh, streaming platforms these days, and they like to hear the word of God, but there's no inward transformation and there's no desire to change inwardly. True repentance is a yieldedness of heart to the word of God. This is true humility and this is the essence of discipleship. Folks, as we have more time on our hands right now, and there is a lot of things going on around us which reveal what is going on within us. As you read your Bible this week and as, you, as God begins to speak to you, I want to encourage you this week. Have conversations with God about what you read. And I want to promise you that as you do, his word will come alive in you. Over and over again in my life where I've seen things that I'm not happy with, sometimes, I mean, I could give you so many examples, so many examples. When it came to, to, to giving and generosity, God spoke to me very powerfully. When it came to coming into the ministry and, and God being my source and my provider, he spoke words to my heart which I believed and which I acted upon. Well, that changed the course of my destiny. They changed who I am. They changed how I think, how I believe, and how I function. And this came not just by reading the Bible and what the Bible has to say. This came by looking at what the Bible has to say and talking to God about it. Talking to God, for example, about my wife when I'm unhappy with her or something she's done is the best way for me to change my heart. Why? Because God's going to deal with my heart attitude. And that doesn't happen just because I sit down and I read a scripture which says, lay your life down for your wife as Christ laid his life down for the church. It happens, the change happens as I talk to God and I share my heart with him. You know, God wants to hear what's on your heart. He wants to hear your struggle. So often in counseling, one of the best things counselors do these days is they listen to people. Because as you share and as you speak, 
you, you, you work through the thought processes that are going on in your heart and mind, and you actually begin to see for yourself the reality and the truth that is in there. So speaking and, and with God about these things, it's, it's counseling. It's therapeutic. And God begins to, as you do that, cause his word to come alive inside you. What do I mean alive? I mean it becomes real. It becomes the stuff that you can literally put your life on. It becomes that foundation where you say, you know, God, I trust you. I believe you. And therefore, I'm going to obey you. Let me go back to my example with Helen. If I'm upset with my wife about something, whatever it may be, and I go to God and I talk to him about it, he always talks to me about my attitude. And he always says to me, Helen is not your problem. You are your problem. You sort you out and you leave Helen to me. Stop trying to change her. I notice the biggest problems I have in my marriage are when I try and change Helen. It doesn't work. She doesn't listen to me like that. It doesn't work. However, when I'm prepared to change me and say, God, I trust you in this. My heart is filled with peace. The way I treat Helen changes. And the results are up to God. She is his daughter, not mine. She is his problem, not mine. My job is to love her, to respect her. When it comes to generosity and giving and finances, I have to believe God for provision, as all of us do. Do I trust and truly believe that God will come through in my needs? You know, I remember one thing. I'll give you a final example. Years ago, something changed in my life concerning the tithing. Some of you might even remember this. It was a Sunday morning service, and Pastor Andreas was sharing about tithing and blessing. And I was up on the stage. We'd finished singing, singing the song. I don't know what I was doing, if I was talking to Nicole or getting something ready with communion or whatever, but it's clear I wasn't paying attention because Andreas asked the question, which came first, the, the blessing or the tithe? He's talking about tithing to be blessed or tithing from blessing. And I boldly and confidently answered, the tithe. You tithe and then God blesses you. The tithe. To which he turned around and said to me, the blessing. And something dropped in my heart that day. The way I'd been thinking about tithing took a, a monumental shift. I had to go back to the word. I had to look at it all again. And I, from then on, when I tithed, I didn't come with the attitude of, God, I'm doing this, and thank you that you will bless me because I'm being faithful in my tithe. Suddenly, I was saying, God, I thank you that you have blessed me. Tithing became the greatest privilege in my life, even more than it was before. It became a blessing that I could now give. It was a huge transformation in my heart. God spoke. I heard. I changed my mind. I changed my attitude. I don't want to give any more examples on this. But I want to stress and emphasize to you this key that I have learned about, along the way. It is a fundamental and a powerful key. There's something in your life that you're not happy with, something you're struggling with, something you don't understand, a difficult decision you need to make, or a portion of scripture that either doesn't make sense or that challenges you. Talk to God about it. Really share your heart with Him as though He was sitting right there in the room with you because He is. And as you do, he will cause light to flood your heart and to flood your mind. And he will make the truth of, the, of his word and his scriptures so alive in you that you will be changed. You will literally be changed by the presence and the power of God speaking to you through his word. Amen. Before we move on to 
ties and a few announcements that I have to make. I want to just ask, are there any questions or comments concerning what I've, what I've shared? There's quite a few of us on here. I'm not sure we can all have something to say, but if there's something that's touched you, uh, perhaps you'd like to share something. All right. Let's pray over the word, folks. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you this morning, Father God, that you have given us your wonderful, wonderful word. I thank you that it is life and light to our hearts and minds. It is transformative. And Lord, as we go through the season of isolation, the season of lockdown, Father, and as we give ourselves more and more to the reading and the study of your word, to meditation, Lord, Father, I want to pray that you would birth and stir up wonderful conversations with you. That as we commune with you, as we fellowship with you, as we talk with you concerning the words that we have shared, the words that you have shared with our hearts, Lord, that true faith will rise up in us. The Lord God, that you would enable us to understand things we've never understood before. I want to thank you for the privilege that we have through Jesus Christ of hearing not only your word, but talking to you about it. Not just having a distant word, but the word of God living within us alive and able to transform and to change us into your likeness, Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for reminding us today of the power that your word has. Thank you for reminding us of the nearness of your spirit. And help us, I pray, to draw near to that and to take hold of, Father God, everything that you've promised us and to walk in it with your grace and by faith. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.